0: Hello, and good Friday morning to you. It's April 28th. Can you believe it? This is the last devotional of the month, okay? Which reminds me, um, we we will take a summer break, but, but not yet. But next week, though, we will not have these devotionals. We have um, one of the Gilbert girls is graduating from FSU, and we're uh, having all sorts of family and friends coming in from out of town, so I'm not going to be able to do these next week. We'll be back the, the following week. I think that's on May 8th or something. I'm just uh, Maybe I'm making that up. Anyway, but no devotionals next week. Someone just asked me, well, what are we going to do while these devotionals are not online? And I just simply said, You're going to read your Bible, right? You're going to read your Bible, which is the whole goal of this, right, is not simply for me to dispense theological information to you, but to help give you tools to equip you to study the Bible for yourself. No better text to do that in than the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. And here is King Jesus calling his subjects, his citizens to him, and he's offering an invitation to the blessed life, the life of flourishing, the happy life to be found in him in alignment with his kingdom. And he has been teaching the people in us what that life of the kingdom looks like. What does righteousness look like? Not perfection, but a wholeheartedness that says everything I am and who I am belongs to you, Lord. Now work in me, shape me, mold me, let me do your will. All right, so we're in Matthew chapter 5, And we have been looking at these two areas of divorce and oath-keeping. And let me read these to you and try to tie all this together in a nice little bow as we get ready to preach on this this coming Sunday at Four Oaks. All right, verse 31, chapter 5, Jesus is speaking, and he says, "'It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce.'" And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So we've spent a good bit of time this week unpacking these texts. What what was it that the Old Testament taught about divorce and remarriage and keeping one's word or oath-keeping? how were these passages and ideas being misinterpreted and misapplied by the Pharisees as they looked endlessly for loopholes around the law to appear righteous, but not really to be righteous? And then what does Jesus say is the correct interpretation and application? So what I want to do in this last day on these two texts here on this Friday is to bring all this together and to ask, what do these two things have to do with each other okay and 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 is there any particular rhyme or reason for jesus addressing them the way he does or matthew ordering them in the way that he does and, and i think there there absolutely is okay so what we find here is this idea of keeping one's word okay keeping one's word in marriage keeping one's word in relationships and part of what Jesus is speaking about here is, is whether in marriage or relationships, let your yes be yes, your no be no, do what you say that you're going to do. And this idea of taking oaths, okay, is not a meant to be be a workaround against keeping your word. It's, it's meant to be a, a solidifier, a witness as we bring God to bear to say before God, I commit to do these things. Now, Just to show you how ingrained this idea of taking vows or oaths before God is, there are still vestiges of this even in our culture today. Just two examples, okay? One, of course, is in a court of law where you put your hand on a Bible and what do you do? You swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, and here it is, so help me God. In other words, let God be my witness. And of course, one of the other areas that we see this idea of taking um, oaths before God is in uh, in marriage. And even when there are two people who are not Christians, okay, or who are only nominally Christian, or aren't really particularly spiritual or religious, you find that this language makes itself uh, makes its way into uh, to, to to the vows and things that people do traditionally, right? Uh, before God and these witnesses, I make these covenants. Um, there, This is kind of in, an ingrained aspect of our culture. And I think the wedding ceremony is a good example of where these two ideas of being faithful in marriage and fulfilling one's word comes in, okay? Now, you've heard me say before that Martin Luther said, you know, that, that, all the commandments are intertwined together, okay? And if you disobey one or neglect one, you will, by necessity, neglect an additional one or two or three. They're, they're all tied together. And so, so l- l- let me give you an example of that. So if you flip in your Bibles back to Exodus chapter, chapter 20. And Exodus 20 is one of the two places we find, of course, the Ten Commandments. And we've been looking, last last week we looked at the 6th and 7th commandment, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. But I want to draw your attention to the 3rd commandment, okay? Verse 7, Exodus 20, "...you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain." what is, what is that commandment teaching us? Okay. A lot of times we think, well, well, the third commandment is just forbidding cursing, right? You shouldn't take the names, the Lord's name in vain. You shouldn't say um, attach God's name to the word damn, or you should not invoke God's name as a curse against someone. We, we typically think about it sort of in those, in those ways, but to take the name of the Lord in vain, Means in essence to go against one's word to God. Okay. To, 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 you've taken his name, but you've, ta- but it's only vanity, right? It's only for show. It doesn't have any real binding authority. And what we see in marriage is that people are not just taking a vow or an oath to one another, although they are doing that. They're also taking that vow and that oath. Uh, To one another before God. They're making a commitment primarily to God. And so when we think about the fact that um, when there is adultery in a marriage relationship, a violation of the seventh commandment, or there is an unlawful divorce or an unlawful remarriage, what we can do is we can actually trace that back to a violation of the third commandment, right? We've taken the name of the Lord in vain. We have not upheld our vows and our commitments to our partner or to him. And of course, if we have violated the third commandment and have taken the Lord's name in vain or in vanity, it's probably because we have broken the first commandment. We, sh- we have not placed God before everything else, before human opinion, before cultural whims, before our feelings. We've worshiped something besides God. So you can see in that, that really um, the seventh violation of the seventh commandment just doesn't happen. And, and remember what we've said, that, that, that not all divorces are sinful. Okay, that's very clear. But all divorces are in in essence related in some way to sin to to a breakdown they aren't god's weren't part of god's original design and this all goes back to these fundamental commandments of having no other gods before me and not taking the lord's name in vain and and in fact honoring lifting up that name now lest those of us who are still married still faithful etc um become too proud or too too much on our high horse a thunder there or too much on our high horse let's also think about a way that we could take the lord's name in vain in marriage in the opposite direction one, one way is of course to to abdicate our vows but another is to not is to not live up to the spirit of the vows and and, and by living up to the spirit of the vows means not just deciding not to get divorced, okay, or not to not have adultery. It means to pursue oneness and intimacy with your spouse. It means to uphold the honor and integrity of the marriage. It means to pursue one another. It means to love, to submit. So you can just as easily take the Lord's name in vain by neglecting your marriage, ignoring your marriage, actively working against your marriage whether even if you've decided legally i'm going to stay married i'm not going to get divorced so that means i've checked off box number seven and three of the ten commandments no to to honor that vow to the lord is to honor the things that you have committed to him and to your spouse to love to cherish to honor to uphold to love to submit all of those things And I think in this way, we can see, again, going back to Matthew, how divorce and remarriage and oaths, how these things are um, intricately uh, bound and wedded, pun intended, together. Okay. And it gives us just this sense of the the Bible is not just these random commands or prohibitions, the Bible is this wonderful tapestry of truth all interwoven together. And when you start pulling out one string of it, okay, then it's like a ball of yarn. It's it's all attached together. And so we can't tamper with the word of God. That's That's the big lesson from the Pharisees. Okay, that's it. So we are done for this week. Next week, we will not be here. But lest you despair, and I know you're not, uh, we'll be back Monday. Let me just let me just check the date on that, just to be doubly, triply sure. We'll be back here on Monday, um, May eighth, and we are going to be at that time into Matthew chapter six, giving to the needy. So stay tuned. Hope you guys have a great weekend week. Hope to see you soon. Let me pray for us, Lord. Go before us now. We don't want to play games with you. We don't want to take your name in vain. Uh, we want our word to mean something. We want to honor and glorify you in all that we do. and We pray these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you soon.